and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, I hope. David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, I'm looking forward to a happy Christmas. We're going to have a happy Christmas. Happy uh, Christmas. What an interesting choice of words. Well, more on that later, but we're going to start off this happiest of Christmases. Um, Well, we started it off, hopefully I remembered to put the... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the christmas themed uh theme music uh, on the top of this episode i have forgotten in the past and by the I way i i do not remember the name of the person who created that and sent oh, it no. to us but i love it so much we've used it for the last uh three years i think and uh and i will go ahead and say one thing that i always enjoy i enjoy like fan art uh some people have taken it on themselves to do because we didn't ask for that christmas theme uh, but I love it so much. So if anybody ever wants to get a, you know, if they're ever bored and they want to get ambitious and they yeah. want to do like a variation of our theme and some, you know, like I was, I've been watching old episodes of the Simpsons. And so, you know, there'll be, uh, like the, the Simpsons music at the end of an episode that has a certain theme to it. Um, like, uh, the one where Marge becomes a cop. And so the theme at the end has a Hill street blues, uh, instrumentation quality. And, um, so if anybody wants to, uh, you know, do like a, like a reggae battleship pretension theme or something like that, I would love to hear it. And, uh, and we will definitely play it on the show, uh, you know, provided it's good enough. Um, well, I want to, uh, uh, I want to kick this off. Uh, we got some things I think we have. Okay. We have two things from listeners, like okay. a postcard and a package that I wanted to open. Oh, a package. Fun. Um, we also have something that I don't know if you even want me to open. It is direct. It is addressed solely to you. It does. It makes no mention of battleship pretension and it oh, is okay. not handwritten. It is like clearly printed by a machine. Do you, but it has like a fun snowflake stamp on it. Do you want me to open this and see what it is? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. I'm uh, hopefully legally I'm covered by the fact that you gave me permission to, sure. to open this. It's, um, it's recorded. I ideally, uh, for posterity. Right. Um, sorry about your misophonia listeners. What? The sound of like crinkling and tearing. And oh, stuff. that's and right. That's right. I don't like that. Okay. Some people love it. Ooh, this... misophonia. <laughs> this is an offer from AT&T. <laughs> Why do they have your name? Do you have something under the P.O. box? I don't think so. I, I don't normally get any like junk to the P.O. box. Um, that's very gotten, funny. I've gotten junk to my home address and it says Tyler Smith Battleship Pretension. Um, but uh, hmm. yeah, I usually, I don't really use the P.O. Box for, for anything except for, uh, you know, um, yeah, screen, like screeners and, and uh, Blu-rays and stuff. So that's, that's yeah, very that's strange. It. But I mean, okay. if you... Um, Thank I mean, you, AT&T. Merry Christmas to you too. Yeah, seriously. If you want a free Genie HD DVR upgrade um, that includes free standard professional installation and uh, DirecTV app to stream anywhere. That's exactly what I wanted for Christmas. AT&T, you've read my mind once again. All right. So that was anticlimactic. Uh, Let's go on to, we have a postcard from our good friend, Peter, who sends us postcards from all over the United States. Uh, This one is from Mount Baker in Washington, uh, Washington state. Um, Peter says, Tyler, the news about your family was wonderful to hear. I wish you all the best of health and happiness. Congratulations. Tyler and David, this has been a tumultuous year. Thank you both for continuing to make a wonderful podcast. Oh, thank you, Peter. Thanks, Um, Peter. I really do appreciate hearing from Peter and getting postcards from him. And we met him once. Uh, yeah. He came to our, was it our 
500 episode i think it was celebration that. I think it was yeah so over 200 episodes ago over 200 weeks ago yeah uh, <laughs> i think our guest has something to say what's that no i was just shocked at your number of episodes it's like yeah this I, like, is I seven, know when you work it out but 18? like man seven, yeah, seven, eight, we're coming up to 720 i don't remember exactly where we are but yeah yes this is 718 because next week we already have a topic and the week after that is an, uh, a profile so we've been doing it i'll say this we've been doing it long enough that when a friend talks about like their podcast and it's like oh yeah we just did like our 200th episode uh i have an immediate flash of like oh isn't that cute followed very quickly by what have i been doing with my life um <laughs> it's it's a combination of the two uh, well, but now we, we got, got a package here. This is exciting. Yeah, no, it's, it's a thick padded envelope. Nice. That means envelope there's some graduates You guys say over. envelope or envelope. I think this is one of those words like caramel or pajamas that I kind of go back and forth. I think I say both, actually. Yeah, yeah. We have to oh, push boy. the envelope. We know that much. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited about okay. what we just got. I'm going to start with the card because that's okay. how my parents raised me. Sure. <laughs> um, and this is from Sarah. Sarah sends us, uh, uh, Sarah, oh, yes. who has contributed to the website before, um, is a contributor to the Battleship Retention book, which you can pre-order. Uh, Battleship right, Retention's yes. top, uh, what, I, what is it? Battleship Retention's 101 best, best movies of the 2010s. The 2010s. Yes, you can pre-order that at battleshipretention.com right now. Um, and you'll get something from Sarah. So this is one of her like hand-stitched cards. She stitched a little oh, yes. Christmas tree on, on the card. Uh, let's see. Merry Christmas, David and Tyler. I know 2020 has been a tough year, but I hope your holiday season is full of joy. Thank you for continuing to share great content. That's how I like to think of it. Great content. Absolutely. Uh, it helps make quarantining a little more bearable. I had to make up for not sending a handmade gift last year. I hope you like the, I'm not going to say what they are. Uh, there's a mix, blah, blah, blah. Um, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I hope there's enough to share with Scott and Julie too. Um, and then I'll, I'll read more afterwards. Also, congratulations to Tyler uh, on the adoption of the twins. Wishing much joy and good nights of sleep. Merry Christmas, Sarah. Thank you so much, Sarah. And then... Okay, which, what do we got here, David? We have more than we could ever need. Hold on, hold on. You guys can see me because I'm on video, right? Yes, okay. Oh my gosh. I think I see where we're headed here. <laughs> Battleship pretension masks. Oh my gosh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. We have uh two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Uh, we have a baker's dozen of these. All right. Um just in case we need to throw one away. Yeah. So like we know it's good. We don't need that one anymore. Um that's very exciting. Uh, thank you so much, Sarah. That's, uh, you know, like that's been my, one of my big problems with this pandemic is um, how can I, cause usually I walk around just <laughs> mouthing the words battleship retention, hoping somebody right. <laughs> lips, uh, but I can't do that anymore. Now I've found a way to still promote the show oh, while I'm, staying safe. Sarah, I am so excited about these. I'm, I'm, I have to tell you, I'm thrilled. Um, I, I, I can't wait to, to actually wear that. I, I've been wearing, um, my St. Louis Blues uh, assortment of uh, masks um, uh, for months at this point. It's time for uh, for something new, so I'm gonna I'm gonna 
keep a few of these masks and cycle through them uh, so they don't get too filthy. I'll sure. give some to uh, to to you, Tyler, and some to Scott and Julie, uh, as yeah. instructed. Um, and then she said, the thing I didn't uh, read is there's a mix of sizes and elastic lengths. I will... Uh, Wonderful. I'll need uh, as a... Uh, big fat headed uh irish american yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will yeah. need the the biggest yeah. one i'm sure um just that ted kennedy head going on and they are uh machine washable wow this is so exciting i'm, I'm very excited i'm stoked about these um uh i keep calling them okay they're this sounds like a, i'm sure some hacky comedian has already done this okay but when like we all decided to it's like face masks is what we call them mm-hmm. but like that's what masks are for right <laughs> isn't face mask kind of like saying like hand glove uh, there there are uh, i mean i guess I know, there is such a thing as like a hair mask but that's a different thing yeah and there's like masking tape like can we can we mask well, okay context clues yeah yeah exactly you know <laughs> If somebody made BP masking tape, I would love it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, that's, that's a good point. Um, I remember, uh, I don't remember who said this, but I, I feel like Kyle, either you said it or you retweeted it. I don't recall. I don't think we've actually said the guest name and we won't yet. Oh yeah. Sorry. That the, uh, the term fireplace is the most simplistic (laughs) word. Like we all just accept it. And yet it sounds like someone tried to remember what it's actually called and couldn't. And they said fireplace and we all just accepted it. It's the fireplace. (laughs) Yeah. 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 You say it and you don't sound like a moron somehow. Yeah. Put it near (laughs) the fireplace. I'm not going to say any names that anyone knows her, but um, uh, uh, a friend of my wife's was trying to be like jokingly flirtatious once and said, (laughs) Hey, horse rider. <laughs> horse rider. She clearly meant like, hey, cowboy. <laughs> was she? <laughs> did she think that? Okay, was she consciously changing them out and trying to be like funny and goofy? Or I mean, did I she think not she was think being, of cowboy? She couldn't think of cowboy, but she wanted to commit to the fake flirtatious thing <laughs> sure. and said, "Hey, horse rider." Um, <laughs> have, have, she also this is a this is one of Natalie's best friends and I love her too. She says a lot of funny things. She's also said a thing that uh, she was telling a story about a bunch of like birds who were like I can't remember what the story was, but there are a bunch of birds somewhere. Okay. And my wife said, "What kind of birds?" And she said, "I don't know, regular ones." Enough <laughs> <laughs> these abnormal birds you read yeah. about horror <laughs> books. Just this Lovecraftian bird that we yeah. can't really see. <laughs> All yeah. right, so that's enough uh, tales of the person the pod- podcasters or the podcast listeners will never meet. Um, let me tell you before we get to uh, uh, the the topic. Let me tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Oh, and before we get to our sponsor, I did want to masks. Masks aren't the only things that were sent to us. Uh, we also got delicious cookies from our friend oh. Kate Kulzik. Yes, and, Kate Kulzik, uh, the we, Televerse. Absolutely, and we, uh, I've, I've loved eating them. Uh, I'm, con- I'm trying to convince myself that uh, I don't feel guilty. Um, I do, 
but uh, but you know what? It all works out. I've lost 12 pounds since coming back from Arizona. And it's not because I've been wow. eating well. It's because I haven't been eating at all. Um, it's uh, But when I do, I eat cookies and all kinds of crap, but apparently not enough. And I've lost a lot of weight just through neglect. Um, and great. so I, I feel like That's those fantastic. cookies... <laughs> those cookie, those cookies are are helping me to to cling to the weight that I should be losing in the first place. I feel like you could be like an Instagram influencer now. You've you've like tapped into a new diet, right? I don't think the idea of physical neglect to lose weight. I don't think that's a new idea. Yeah, I don't right. think I discovered it. All right. Uh, but I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Uh, today, I'm going to be a bummer again. Or should I be a bummer? Uh, I'm going to say no. But uh, I, I will because I like to pay respect to people who have uh, passed away. Sure. But uh, the um, uh, sort of uh, ambient electronic composer Pauline Anna Strom uh, passed away um, and uh, was listening to uh, listen to a lot of her today. So check out Pauline Anna Strom. Uh, rest in peace. And it'll sound great on your tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes? Let's get into it, shall we? Indeed. Why don't you tell us who our guest is first? Our guest is an old favorite, by which I mean he's a favorite and he's not getting any younger. It's uh, it's, it's Kyle Anderson. Noted Anglophile. <laughs> That's true, yes. Noted yes, Anglophile Kyle Anderson yeah, Hello, he, from Nerdist.com. Yeah, he, he hates being an American. He wishes that we had <laughs> never uh, fought the British. He wished the, wishes that we were still under the Queen's thumb. He watches the crown and says, if only I don't actually Kyle watch Anderson. the crown. Oh, okay. I've watched a season of it. It's pretty good. Yeah. I've heard it's, I've heard it's pretty good. Yeah. Have you guys watched the queen's gambit? Oh yeah. No, I haven't. Yeah, we watched the queen's gambit. Queen's um, Gambit's good. Uh, it's, I feel like it was good. And then in the final episode, like the second, the final half of the final episode, just decided like to be a corny sports movie essentially yeah i was like i was like i don't think her winning the big match is gonna like solve her like alcoholism and like childhood <laughs> trauma problems that made her an interesting person but that seems to be the i don't know i was kind of bothered it couldn't uh, hurt yeah by it, that. it wrapped it up a little but um yeah. it was good good filmmaking that's what i think about that show uh, but speaking of hilarious things uh, involving my wife, uh, my favorite thing about the Queen's Gambit is that my wife refuses to refer to the character by her name, Elizabeth Harmon, and just calls her Queen Gambit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, no, I, uh, I mean, I love, pl- I love playing chess, um, and uh, I do find it it can be tremendously cinematic, obviously, if shot, if shot right, like everything else. Um, uh, and I've heard great things. Uh, Scott Frank is the one behind it, right? 
Yeah, I feel bad he's that a, we like immediately. Like, yeah, um, we're supposed to be talking about British Christmas movies. That's what we're here to oh, talk yes, about, and we right. immediately started talking about it in an uh, American television series. Although most of the cast are Brits doing American accents. Yeah, I think they shot it in like Prague or someplace like that. I forget, uh, yeah, but somewhere from, uh, they shot it in Berlin. Yeah, and Berlin, in right. Toronto. I don't know. That's a weird like uh, split, but uh, yeah, it's like a German Canadian uh, production. Anyway, not British. We're going to talk about British Christmas movies, or as I like to call it, Christmas in Britain. And we're not necessarily talking specifically about British Christmas movies, but also Christmas movies that take place in Britain. Although it's often one and the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Or there's the third category, which is, British movies that are that or movies that take place in America, but are were shot in Britain, mm. which includes Eyes Wide Shut is a, cl- yeah. a Christmas classic Eyes Wide Shut. And I want to say Batman Returns was shot. Oh, in definitely. The UK. Yeah, that was Pinewood for sure. Yeah. yeah. So those are two Christmas movies uh, that uh, um, I wanted to make mention of because we wouldn't have them if it weren't for for Britain. Yeah. So when David, I'll say this, when David brought this up as a topic, um, I like, it wasn't quite that situation where I'm like, oh my gosh, how have we not talked about this before? It wasn't quite to that point, but it was definitely like, oh yes, we can get, we can easily get a whole episode out of this because, you know, probably because I'm American. And so anything, any, any place that speaks English is one that I'll probably feel a certain closeness with, but I do feel like Accents, like if I were to associate an accent with Christmas, it would probably be a British one. Like um, I just kind of, it's not an Australian one. So I guess there's that. No offense to any uh, Australians in the audience. Um, but yeah, it does. Well, I mean, we like, don't tend to, I mean, no offense to the Southern hemisphere, but we don't tend to think sure. of the Southern hemisphere when we think of, of yeah. Christmas because we think of snowy climbs. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's it. And so it's just one of those things like, yes, obviously there are some like really great, like American Christmas films, but just in general, like it, it just feels like, I know it's not a British holiday. I know it didn't start there. And yet I do connect it with, with England. Kyle, I see all kinds of reactions. (laughs) Tell me why I feel this way. Well, you feel this way, I think, because because what we think of as Christmas and all the things that go along with Christmas are British. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and it happened in, you know, uh, the 1800s for the most part, uh, people didn't give a crap about Christmas until roughly like the mid 1800s when Charles Dickens wrote a Christmas Carol. Okay. Um, uh, they did Christmas. It's not like they didn't, you know, have any Christmas at all. Obviously Victorian England was very Christmas mm-hmm. Um, but they also didn't, it didn't treat it like the kind of like, everyone gets the day off of work and all this stuff. That's why the thing in, um, in, in a Christmas Carol is so like, Oh, I guess you can have the day off or whatever. Cause it's right. like, not everybody even cared about it enough to give you the day off. Um, but it's because of that and things that came out after that, that people, uh, that Christmas started to become that so popular was a Christmas Carol that Christmas started to become like this, this huge affair and then it spread across the the atlantic and then you know the world over but for the most part what americans think of as christmasy stuff comes from the the english tradition of Mm. uh you know wassailing and things like that so there's there's like the original traditional christmas songs but most of the ones that we that you know like were written prior to you know rudolph the red-nosed reindeer or anything like that were 
um, Christmas, uh, uh, British Christmas carols that were sung in like Anglican churches and things like that. I did not see the Dan Stevens film, The Man Who Invented Christmas. Very interesting uh, movie. Yeah. I heard it was not that particularly good, but it did interest me. Yeah. Um, it sounds like you have seen it. I have. Is it yeah, worth I, watching? It's, I think it's worth watching if you like, um, Dan, I mean, Dan Stevens is super charming, obviously, mm-hmm. but, um, and there was a lot of stuff about uh, Dickens that I didn't know, which is that, you know, like he was uh, the reason a lot of his novels are so like wordy is because he used to get paid by the word. Sure. And so he used to just like, you know, that's why, like, I remember reading Oliver Twist when I was in high school, I think. And it was just like, I don't want to hear about these goddamn drapes anymore. Like he would just describe <laughs> drapes for pages and pages. That's the only way he got paid. Um, and he had like a whole family to take care of, like his parents and stuff. He had to pay for all that stuff. So anyway. Um, um, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say that the uh, that it's a it's a decent movie. Um, but if you like A Christmas Carol, then it's a it's a it's a nice companion to that. I very so, much do on pretty much every iteration. I didn't see that Hulu one with Guy Pierce, which I heard was oddly dark, but that, yeah. that intrigues me more. Well, um, I, have more, to, I have more to say about that as well. To, oh, but to expand on something that Kyle was saying, because I, uh, I, I had read about this, it wasn't necessarily that, that people didn't care about Christmas before a Christmas Carol. It, that would, it was something different that actually, if you go back to the 1600s, um, Puritans in in england were anti-christmas because christmas was treated like winter like mardi gras it was like a right it was kind of like debaucherous and it was just meant it was like a, an excuse for drinking for 12 like 12 days of being drunk um and and so i think the the charles dickens thing sort of made it more familial and wholesome and that's what we've sort of run with uh since then yeah it'd be like it you know like the way Americans celebrate St. Patrick's day is sort of the way <laughs> Christmas used to be way back where it was like, clearly it started as a religious holiday, but now it is definitely not like that way over here anymore. Like nobody, nobody goes to church on St. Patrick's day in America because <laughs> even though it is a very, you know, uh, he's a saint. He, he is literally a saint. He saved yeah. the, the country. Um, but yeah. So, but yeah, so I think a lot of um, Christmas movies just are, a lot of British movies just feel like they should be Christmas anyway. And a lot of them just have Christmas <laughs> in it. It seems like when I was doing research for this, there was, I was like, there aren't actually that many asterisks. Cause there are, are quite a few, but when compared to like classics or whatever, there aren't that many that are British made British starring British set Christmas right. films. Um, there are some really interesting ones that do that, but that are not necessarily like, happy Christmas or whatever, but you have like, you know, like animated film, Arthur Christmas, which I don't, I've never sure. seen, but that's like the one animated British Christmas film that exists. Um, or yeah. with the exception of the snowman, which is like a little short, which is actually quite good. But I was going to say, I actually reached out to uh, a listener. Shout out to Gareth. Um, uh, you can tell he's, uh, <laughs> he's in the UK. His name's Gareth. Uh, there aren't a lot of American. We, we have Garrett's here, right? Yeah. But that like, TH seems like a, yeah. Well, um, so yeah, he actually mentioned uh, the. I asked him for for some help here, and he mentioned the snowman as being. It was literally the first thing that he thought of. So I guess that's sort yeah. of like we have like the Rankin Bass holiday specials. Yeah. Um, I uh, uh, that you mentioned Rudolph, and there's Frosty and stuff like that. Uh, and I, from what I understand, the snowman is sort of that that sort of television holiday special. 
Yeah, yeah we actually, we have it, uh, Jen and I have it on DVD. I had never seen it. And I think she saw it when she was a kid and uh, recently rewatched it. And the way she was describing it is like, oh, this actually sounds really good. I'm, I really didn't grow up with a lot of those specials, uh, American or otherwise. Um, I watched the original How the Grinch Stole Christmas and Charlie Brown Christmas. And that was kind of it. And then the rest of it was just like really movies. Yeah. You didn't watch. I watched the Garfield Christmas every year as a kid. <laughs> I did not. I, I didn't um, watch that one. Uh, so much so that my, my dad and I would, uh, cause there's a thing when, when they go to John's family's house and they plug in the Christmas tree for the first time, everyone goes, Ooh, and the animation does the thing. Their mouths look like yes. little, like, uh, like trumpets almost. <laughs> and so every, like it was such a regular the Garfield Christmas special was so regularly viewed at Christmas season in the Bax household that my dad and I, when I was a kid, he'd plug in the Christmas lights and I'd go, Ooh, like try to make my, <laughs> make my face do that. I, uh, I, being familiar with Garfield, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. and, and then there was uh, also, yeah. um, do either of you, cause we're all about the same age in American. Do either of you remember the claymation Christmas special? It was, it was what it sounds like. It was an entire claymation Christmas special, but it had like the California raisins doing yeah. Christmas songs no. and it had like, um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, uh, the, it would like the, the, the more biblical ones would like have little, uh, uh, scenes you'd see like the three wise men or whatever going to, sure. to, to, uh, bring gold frankincense and myrrh, um, or, uh, parsley, sage, rosemary, and thyme, uh, whichever one, whichever one it was that they bring, not the one that Simon and Garfield sing, sing about. Uh, but that was another, um, uh, uh, favorite for me as a kid. Yeah. I, that was one that Again, I, we're off topic, but yes, uh, I saw it like, like there were a few that like, um, were on once or like, and I, I remember the acclamation Christmas. I also remember the Ralph Bakshi one Christmas in Tattertown, oh. um, which was just a single half hour special, which is super Ralph Bakshi, but it was on Nick Nickelodeon. So it's not it like, it wasn't for adults. It was, but it was kind of like, you know, homeless people at Christmas time is basically what it was about. <laughs> um, but, and so I only remember that one like once or twice, but we, my grandma off of, um, old television, <laughs> no, uh, but off of television in days of old, she used, she taped all the Christmas specials. So all the Rankin and Bass ones, that's what we grew up with. Cause we had the one tape that had those plus Charlie Brown plus, um, Grinch. And it was yeah. like, you know, I wish we still had that tape. I bet we still have the tape somewhere. I wish we had a way to play that tape. Sure. Right. It had all yeah. the old Colorado, um, you know, late eighties, uh, uh, commercials on it, which would are just, that was part of the experience. We that was before I even thought about fast forwarding through commercials. It was just that was part of the experience of watching yeah. that tape. That was uh, yeah. Again, this is off topic, but uh, I, I enjoy watching old episodes of Siskel and Ebert that people have uploaded to like uh, oh, YouTube. Absolutely, yeah. And sometimes they'll just you know someone will upload like just specific reviews. Sometimes they'll do the entire you know. Uh, half hour episode and uh, sometimes they'll cut out the commercials and then sometimes mercifully they do not. And then you get like some random regional thing. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, this is the best. I, and I, and I don't scroll through them I, or scan through them. I was like, yeah, I'm going to enjoy this whole thing. Yeah. It's part of like, the, I, like I lived in Like I'm watching this as though I lived in Iowa, especially in when there's local Christmas commercials that's a specific flavor because sure. i remember yeah. there was uh st louis and what i'm talking about there was a not i can't remember i think it was a furniture place and it was 
you have to know that St. Louis has a big German background. So it was Schweigangle. Those are the two names, Schweigangle. <laughs> Schweigangle. And they had a, a Christmas commercial that they played every year that was to the tune of Jingle Bells, but it was no money down, no money down, no money down today. And I, I know that like, just like I know Jingle Bells. I know that jingle because I heard it at the, at the, at the same age. Yeah, that's another yeah Schweig angle. What a, I just grew up with that, and yeah. uh, that's also like uh, I don't think they did a Christmas version, but Gettikers was a uh, an electronics like a Best Buy sort of local chain, um, uh, and they were famous in the St. Louis area for Mr. Was it Stan Gettiker? I can't remember the guy's name. Something Gettiker having a very thick St. Louis accent. Which, if you don't know, the main thing about a St. Louis accent is that O R is pronounced like a R, you know, like a fart you, you, with a knife and fark. Um, and, uh, the Gettikers were a very religious family. And so they would say open every day except Sunday, because that's the Lord's day. <laughs> that was how every commercial ended <laughs> with Gettikers. Uh, so I will, I will try to get us uh, back on topic, although I do enjoy this. And you know, and I feel like conversations like this, uh, just reflecting on our communities and all that, it just seems very Christmassy to me, but, um, but I will go back to, I feel like any discussion of British Christmas movies, however, we're, we're, you know, define choosing to define it in, in any particular moment. Um, I feel like it has to start with, Charles Dickens and just start with the various adaptations of a Christmas Carol. Yeah. Um, I, it occurs to me, actually, I say like, I enjoy every iteration. There are some, some notable ones that I haven't seen, uh, but I've seen it on stage a lot. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I love that, but obviously we don't, that's, that's stage as opposed to film. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I do. I, it's such a, it's just such a, a, such a solid story and it's one that's very relatable and it doesn't matter how many how familiar i am with the story which at this point is very uh i always enjoy seeing like okay what kind of spin is this director going to put on it or this actor or whatever it is which is why i'm excited uh to to watch that hulu thing that i think came out last year or the year before yeah um even though i've heard it's like depressingly oppressively dark uh which actually again intrigues me even more yeah so there's a big over here um ghosts don't make sense for christmas for the most part but in britain that's all like christmas time and ghost stories are like synonymous and and that's you know like the the old song that it's the most wonderful time of the year it specifically shouts out there will be scary ghost stories because that is such a big thing in the uk um at christmas time and so like um a christmas carol the most famous version of that that is a ghost story and the best versions i think of that at least as an adult once i've kind of like grasped the that idea um obviously the muppet one is very good but um my favorite one is uh the one from 1984 starring george c scott that is really good which is yeah but is that a i mean he's an american is that a british production it is a british production i think it was shot in england it had a predominantly english cast and crew um clive russell maybe directed it hang on one second because i I definitely watched that uh more than once as as a kid because it would have been new even you know when i was a kid came out when i was like two um but i didn't put on my list because i wasn't uh george c scott just seems he's just way too american for this i mean he super is but actually i think he does a very very good job of Mm-hmm. Um, of doing that. But the reason I, I count it as particularly British other than it mostly being shot there, but um, 
is that there's a such a great um uh focus on the scariness of it like it is a yeah. it is a pretty creepy spooky one like all of the the haunting of marley before he actually appears fully is really scary um maybe the scariest version of the ghost of christmas present i mean a uh, uh, future um you have edward woodward playing um the ghost of christmas present which yeah. is easily the best one but they include the scene which is in the story which is almost never in uh film adaptations which is beneath the robes of the ghost of christmas present are these two shriveled waif children yeah uh, they are the they are man's children ignorance and want gaze upon them if you will like and it's 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 and then the music is going insane um yeah. that's and, always that's that's been in a couple of the stage versions that yeah. i've seen and it's really impactful because you're just like holy shit those two kids had to be under there the whole time <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know there's no cutting away or anything like that but yeah uh, yeah that's really effective um yeah and so I, I that is one that i absolutely love and also that was one that because we did watch it a bunch when i was a kid um you know it was scary so we didn't i didn't watch it that much until i was a little bit older but my dad used to quote it all the time because roger rees plays um uh fred the nephew mm-hmm. and uh he would constantly quote <laughs> him there you know the the when they go and visit him in the present and obviously can't see him, but they're playing the game and the game is always different in most of the adaptations, like yeah. whatever game Fred and his friends are playing this one, it's um, similes or something I think. And so it's he uh, or idioms or whatever the hell they call it, but it's, he's basically like tight as, and then the person has to answer like, what is the common parlance for that? Um, and uh, he goes up to his wife and he goes, uh, attend, <laughs> which is, <laughs> <laughs> something my dad used to say to us all the time and then he also would quote um which i've now quoted to my wife a lot but um uh david warner plays bob cratchit um it's it's literally a who's who of british um, yeah. horror actors too because um yeah. frank finley plays marley and he was uh he's awesome but he played um he should have been it should have been peter cushing but because it was a canon film they didn't have their the, the money for peter cushing but he played what would have been the peter cushing character in life force the space oh. vampire movie um but anyway uh uh bob cratchit as played by david warner um he has to test his wife's pudding to make sure that it's good and he you know it's like the big moment is it is it good and he like takes a bite and he kind of like chews it over and then he goes a triumph, my dear, another triumph. <laughs> and so I say that to my wife all the time now, whenever she makes something that she has not made before. Yeah. It's um, the, the choice to have uh, David Warner is a wonderful actor. Uh, and he does have that really just a very authoritative voice. You know, mm-hmm. he did uh, like Raz al Ghul or again, however you pronounce it, I apologize. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's such an interesting, it's like, you know, who we should cast as Bob Cratchit, the most likable character in the history of literature, <laughs> David Warner. Let's really yeah. give him like an edge, like really make him seem <laughs> well, like there's something going likable in it. He just kind of seems yeah. like an everyman, and he's so kind of long. He's a gangly man, yeah, or a lanky man at the very least. And so when he kind of he wears clothes that are a little too small, like they, they do a really good job of um, uh, dressing all you know. It's it's a big lavish production. Br- the yeah. Brits are very good at Victoriana when they <laughs> when they are at any period of time. If you ever watch a BBC production of anything <laughs> that's set in the Victorian era, it is gorgeous looking because they just yeah. can do that like crazy. Um, but that's my favorite ver- That's my favorite version of uh, a Christmas Carol, as my little brother would call it. We would say he'd say Muppets or a. <laughs> Those are the two versions. <laughs> my little brother. Um, uh, but I actually I- haven't seen the the Alistair Sim one, and I know that one's very like. 
I've I also have not seen that one. I've seen clips from it, yeah. but uh, but I haven't actually seen it. Um, yeah, and you know, I I think probably the first version I ever saw of it was Muppet Christmas Carol. And I return to it because I just, yes, I recognize it's the Muppets, which immediately makes it a little bit less serious. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to take it fully seriously, but from an art direction standpoint, from a music standpoint, not just the songs, but the music itself uh, and its ability, like the anything Muppet related when it's done really well, it can pivot from silly to you know, ha having a great deal of pathos pretty easily and without you even realizing that's what they've done. And I think they do it just perfectly uh, in this movie. I really, I, I return to it, maybe not every year, but pretty regularly. And I always enjoy it. It's, I think it's really well done. Yeah, that one, that one really is quite good. And uh, um, obviously American, but um, Michael Caine is uh, mm -hmm. not American and he is super great in that. And True. I yeah. think it's like, you have to like, they're, these big i mean george c scott the weird in the, in one of the sure. more british adaptations you get this american actor to play scrooge but michael Caine and like patrick stewart like these very um well-regarded british actors playing scrooge like that's a that's a big um like rite of passage almost for like actors of certain ages yeah and then of course there's the robert zemeckis one which there's a lot i don't like about it but there's also a lot i do you know, you mentioned the idea of playing up ghosts and because it's animated and because he does want to, uh, Zemeckis does, I think, want to play into some of the darker elements. Like, yeah, like there's a whole world of ghosts that you that you see and that are uh, that are in the in the book, uh, but are rarely shown in in any of the movies. Uh, this idea where like uh, Marley just shows the world of ghosts and you see them like they're everywhere and they have different, some have a lot of chains, some don't. And uh, it's, and moments like that are really effective if, but just like with the, the Ron Howard Grinch, it's just like, look, I, I get it. Like Jim Carrey can do a lot of things and a lot of different types of voices, but was he really the one we wanted for, for this? It seems like an odd, an odd choice, but you know, whatever. I, I, I don't know. I actually don't know how popular that movie is. I certainly know that the Jim Carrey Grinch is very popular yeah. with, with people, but I don't know if people even really remember that, that Zemeckis uh, Christmas story. I feel like that, that Christmas had, Carol, pardon me. It, it it's in that period of time when he was, he was doing all those motion capture animated films yeah. and it, and the uncanny valiness is too much to take. Like, and, and apparently it's not as bad as the polar express, which is most people right. like go to, this is a horrifying nightmare thing. Yeah. Um, and it's also not as like, uh, kind of a weird novelty as Beowulf. Cause who'd adapt yeah. to Beowulf? But like, um, but I, I know, like, I know that one, the Jim Carrey one, decently but i have seen it i haven't seen it since it came out like yeah you know but it but it's it was kind of uh it was one of those that my family like every christmas we'd go see something in the in the theaters and um uh that was that whatever year that was early yeah. 2000s right or early to mid uh i think it's 2009 actually oh okay maybe eight but now i don't recall um yeah and so uh so yeah, I, I I felt like we should obviously start with a uh, Christmas Carol, yeah. the one we all think about, and 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 the or the one we all think of first, and uh, one that probably ins inspired a lot of 
tonally similar movies. Certainly Scrooge, but that's that's very American. Yeah, yeah. And um, I do want to go. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, no, Kylie, please go ahead. I was going to say uh, on the on the ghost tip. I so within <laughs> the last few years, uh, I've gotten really into uh, old Gothic ghost stories just in general. And, uh, specifically ones written by this, um, early late 1800s, early 1900s writer named MR James Montague Rhodes, James. He was a, he was a scholar at, um, Eton college. Um, uh, uh, he was a, a medievalist, like still maybe the best, um, chronicler of medieval history and antique antiques and things like that. And so he started writing ghost stories just for fun that he would read to the boys, uh, uh, you know, at the school uh, uh, for Christmas, because again, ghost stories at Christmas time. Um, and so these became so beloved um, that they eventually started getting published into these books. Um, the first volume is called ghost stories of an antiquary. Um, and then there were other ones thereafter, but in the late sixties, early seventies, uh, uh, British television, BBC adapted some of these short stories um, in little like, sh you know, uh, half hour to hour long um, just specials. And they were shown at Christmas time and it became known as a ghost story for Christmas. Uh, and that was a thing that they were. Sh and these are scary. Like these are not like, this isn't like, quaint Christmassy type scary like this the the shows themselves have almost nothing to do with Christmas other than that there are ghosts and Brits love them um, but I bring these up because I this has become my new holiday tradition like a few years ago I was kind of like down on the kind of saccharine nature of Christmas I was just kind of like ugh, you know just it felt gross to me and, and yeah. there for a while and so once I started doing like listening to uh uh audiobooks of like you know Derek Jacobi reading these stories and stuff like that <laughs> on my drive from from LA to the San Francisco Bay Area where my wife's family's from um you know like a 6 hour drive of just listening to these ghost stories um it, it became it's like I love them so much more like Christmas is a little bit scary and a little bit sad and that's what I really like about it because um I don't know about you guys but the end of the year I get kind of sad like once Christmas is kind of yeah. over it's like well that's that was it. Now yeah. I don't really have anything to look forward to. And that's been that way since I was a kid. Um, yeah. I think, I think for me, it's very much this idea. It's like, I've been looking forward to the, the togetherness. I've been looking forward, obviously, like as a kid, I was looking forward to the presents, both giving in and, and getting, um, and I just enjoyed the music, like just all of that. Not to mention I was off from school mm. and then it's like, you know, Christmas being, you know, December 26th was always like Sunday, it's like the weekend's over. I can't even enjoy Sunday night now because I yeah. know what's coming tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and people are like, happy new year. It's like, what are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> I got to get back to school. New year. How, how could it possibly be happy? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, all my favorite, no, not all, a lot of my favorite Christmas songs are the, the sad ones, you know, yeah. like I'll be home for Christmas is very sad. The, um, have oh. yourself a merry little Christmas, yeah. especially the original version, which is the, like, until then we'll try to muddle through somehow oh, yeah. instead of hanging shining star upon the highest bow. Um, and then some more recent, uh, uh, well, one, uh, there's the Merle Haggard song about how he, uh, can't afford, uh, it's a guy who can't afford to give his daughter a good Christmas. Um, <clears throat> And then there's a more recent song by, I don't know if it's a person's name or a group called McCarthy Trenching. It's just called Christmas Song or whatever. And it's... <laughs> it's so sad and it's about being sad at christmas like literally the chorus is 
the sadness comes in like a brick through the window and it's Christmas. So no one can fix it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of my favorite Christmas songs. Of course it is. One of my, one of my new favorite, I mean, it's an older song, um, but I didn't know about it until a few years ago, but it's the kink song. Father Christmas. Do you know this one? Mm-mm. I don't know it's if I do. It's great. I mean, cause it's the kink. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, jangly guitars and st- in it and stuff like that. And I think they, I think it was like mid to late seventies that they recorded it. Um, but it's about a guy who is dressed as Santa Claus or father Christmas. And then he gets robbed by punks on the way home. <laughs> and the chorus is uh, father Christmas. Give us some money. We don't have time for your fancy toys or whatever, something like that. Um, but it's a, it, that's another one that I was just like, yeah, like, like that's my little secret for myself when I'm hanging out with my wife's family who I, I love my wife's family, but they are the most Christmassy people. Um, <laughs> and, and everything must be exactly the same every year. And I'm just like, you know, tradition, tradition. Oh, see, I, I think I've become a, I've become a big tradition guy. I think. All right. Tevia. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I think it's, I mean, uh, it's been traditions like now I spend Thanksgiving with like family outside of, but like me and Natalie and I are a family. And as we've established our very small families, Christmas traditions, I've really come to, to, to like those. Um, and some of them are like sort of borrowed from, uh, uh, my own, uh, families, you know, as a kid, um, I'm not sure if every family did this, but we always um, had orange juice while we opened presents hmm. uh, on Christmas morning. And like, that was part of it that like my dad would pour glasses of orange juice and like put them where at each of our, like we were, cause we would sit there and like take turns opening presents on Christmas yeah. morning. So my dad would like put a glass of orange juice and that's when it was time. Like it wasn't, we weren't allowed to come down the stairs until the orange juice was out. And so when my wife and I opened present presents on Christmas morning, we make mimosas because we're adults now, but we still have orange <laughs> juice. Uh, uh, for Christmas, I guess I'm like those, um, cause I was say our other tradition, which we won't be able to do, uh, this year is we go to the same bar every day on Christmas day. So I'm like those old 1600s, uh, Londoners just, uh, Christmas is just a drinking holiday for me. Yeah. And then um, that's, you know, that's kind of the way I feel like most of it, you know, um, especially this year, like you all kind of have, everybody kind of has to make their own Christmas yeah because yeah. we're this is the first christmas since i've been um with my wife um that we haven't gone up to see her parents and and that my parents or my brother my mom have not come here to see us the week before um and so that's it, that's it's weird it's it, mm-hmm. it's like i know it's christmas time we've decorated there are presents and yet it just is like well this doesn't really feel like christmasy but uh, we, we, um, we drove around and looked at Christmas lights the other, the other night. Yeah, I think, I think we're going to need to do stuff like that. Yeah, that was fun. I uh, think that, but we should get back to movies, right? Yeah. Or no, you have something to say, Tyler? Oh, just, uh, just joining in uh, between COVID and like the kids. Because obviously like, oh, kids, like kids go with Christmas, right? It's like not when they're this age. (laughs) Right now they're just, yeah, right now they're just keeping me from doing the Christmas stuff I want to (laughs) do. But then also that and, and, and COVID, like it really is one of those things where like, I love like in the past we would go to like candy cane lane and we would walk it and just, you know, walk along. And sometimes someone would have like a little cart with hot chocolate and we would just like drink it and look at amazing uh, Christmas lights and we would love it. And it's like, and while I'm sure those people still put their lights up, I imagine we're not 
I imagine it's discouraged uh, to walk it. Uh, And even if we could, yeah, the kids go to bed uh, when the sun goes down, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's definitely what, like, I don't mean to, to uh, disparage uh, parenthood in this case, in this instance, but between COVID and the kids, like, yeah, there's like, my life is, is nothing but limitations at this point. Yeah. Um, I was going uh, to say, oh, this will, okay, this will bridge the gap. We get it back to movies, but still talk about okay. Christmas traditions. I almost hesitate to mention what me and Natalie's movie Christmas tradition is because it's become such an eye rolling thing, but we've been doing it forever. We watch Die Hard on Christmas Eve sure. and we have for a long, long time before it was, uh, this like, uh, uh, fun. And then very soon, not fun, uh, internet debate. And we'll continue Boy. to do it after it's just, we watch Die Hard every Christmas Eve I'm not trying to, yeah. uh, uh, you know, start a fight with, uh, you know, whether or not a hot dog is a sandwich type of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what, if you watch it at Christmas time, it's a goddamn Christmas movie. It, yeah. Like, you know, like I'm so tired of people telling you what is or isn't a Christmas movie. Yeah. Well, this will bring um, me back to, uh, something, uh, talk, the move, the movie that made me this. Okay. Last week we talked about fake movies within movies. Now we're talking about Christmas movies uh, set in in Britain. This is marks two weeks in a row that the topic was inspired by my watching Nancy Myers The Holiday, uh, which Natalie sure. uh, uh, had hadn't seen since it was new and I had never seen. So she picked picked it and said, "Let's watch this uh, as part of our Christmas uh, time." And um, uh, I really really liked it. Uh, it's actually the reason I feel like it's the reason I, I thought like I didn't think Christmas in london you know i thought christmas in britain because most of the uk stuff in the holiday is set in surrey um and i think shot there too i think shot on location kyle do you know i feel like Uh, i yeah i actually was looking that up because again there aren't that many british christmas movies and this one is brought up even though it's nancy myers and i would definitely call it like an american movie just as a production but um but yeah it was shot uh in surrey there thereabouts it's it's very uh you understand why people make a big deal about christmas uh over there with the uh those those old the old like sort of uh cottage where kate wins character lives which she then rents to yeah. cameron diaz's character and and the snowy lanes and all that stuff and like you said all the christmas sort of iconography uh uh goes with it which weirdly enough um there's only been what is it four white christmases since the turn of the century or i mean the 1900s in britain like there's only they've only had mm. a few or maybe it's maybe it's a little bit more than that but like within like people we know's lifetime there've only been like a small handful of actually white christmases in the uk because it just rains for the most part yeah. um but there was a time way you know way way back um when uh it got so cold in in london that the thames froze and they would have a fair on top of the frozen thames wow. Oh, wow. Um, and it was, they would call them the great frost fairs and they would put all sorts of stuff. They would like trek, um, sometimes, uh, uh, giant pachyderms onto the ice, <laughs> just, just betting it wouldn't break. And, <laughs> um, and then eventually Wait, let's, like, get, let's get our Christmas boulder and, uh, yeah. and roll let's, it on. Uh, let's set fire to the lake and, or the river and see if it, we can still stand on it. Um, and then in the early 1800s, like it started getting too warm and it wouldn't freeze enough. And so they wouldn't do it. And so then, and then in one year um, it was like, what is it? 1808 or something like that. You know, 
six, let's call it. Um, it froze enough. They had the frost fair and then it has never been that cold again ever. Hmm. Wow. But like, that was just a whole thing. I thought they, the, the reason I even knew about it at all is because there was an episode of Dr. Who about that. And I was like, this is fake as shit. And then I looked it up. I was like, no, that's really, that really <laughs> happened for a long time. Um, but um, yeah, yo. No, I was going to say, speaking of a long time ago, I just want to get back to my, my list of movies I wanted to talk about. Yes. Um, one of what I think is one of the great British Christmas movies of all time, The Lion in Winter. Oh, of course. It's a movie about, you know, so, I mean, so many movies these days are made about like, you know, dysfunctional family Christmases. Like this is, it's 1183 or whatever in this movie. Uh, this is the original dysfunctional family Christmas. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's, it's, it's medieval. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf said at Christmas time. And it's so, and yet it's so the the relationship between Henry and Eleanor is fascinating because like it's like they kind of hate each other and yet yeah. there's a real admiration there and it's it's an odd it's not a relationship and i do think that 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 the the dynamic between peter o'toole and and catherine hepburn in that is really wonderful um, yeah they kind of hate each other but they, they respect that. they recognize that they're equally matched in some ways very much so yeah it's been way um, too long since I've seen the lion in winter and I'm just, I just pulled it up just to kind of brush up on who's in it and what everything. Oh, like yeah. I need to watch this again. I remember I watched it in school and I thought it was boring cause I was in high school, but, yeah. um, but like Douglas Slocum shot it and John Barry did the score. Like yeah. I need to watch this. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like, kind of, yeah, uh, a young, a young Timothy Dalton, a young, young Anthony, Anthony Hopkins, Hopkins, young yeah. rakish Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it's also, there's like, um so many fun like uh sort of trivia questions um in in relation to uh the lion in winter one is that uh hero tool is one of only two or three actors who has been nominated for an oscar for playing the same character yeah. in two different movies because he played um uh henry the second in uh beckett as well right yeah yes uh, and got nominated for for both uh and also i've like it's weird to watch old movies, the movie that's old to me and think like, Oh yeah, those are two old timey actors. Right. But he's like 30 years younger than Kevin Hepburn is. Yeah, yeah. It's not merely that he's playing notably older than he is. I mean, when you think about like this movie was what, like six years after, uh, Lawrence. Yeah. And he's like, he's very young in, in Lawrence and he's meant to be. And then, uh, you know, he grows a beard and, and gruffs himself up a little bit and he's supposed to be 50, I believe. Um, and it's, and he's supposed to be, yeah, basically on the same age level as yeah. Catherine Hepburn. And it's, it's fascinating. Uh, and it, yeah. and I don't 28 years it. her junior. I just looked it up. Yeah. And I don't question it. Like it, it works really well. Oh, I know that the, the Eleanor um, is older than, than Henry, but uh, 25. I, Sorry, I don't 25 think it's, years. I don't think it's a 25 year difference yeah. uh, between the two characters, but of course they're pros and the movie's really well done and you just buy it. Yeah, he probably wasn't that much older than Anthony Hopkins, honestly. Uh, but I believe that I mean, he was dead. he was younger than I am currently at this moment. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> that, that really does because you just yeah, I'm with you. You're just go. Well, this is old, oldy moldy people playing these characters. And it's like, yeah. no, he was in his like mid 30s, probably. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and then um, I couldn't I, I, I try to think if I could think of a 
uh, could find a ghost story um, in my list. I couldn't, but I have two horror movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I have, uh, again, this is Christmas in Britain, not London and not England, but all of Britain. So the very recent Anna and the Apocalypse is a Christmas, mm-hmm. uh, high school Christmas zombie musical uh, that I love and have watched multiple times, have the soundtrack on vinyl. Uh, it's a fun um, uh, Christmas listen. Um, and then another movie that I love to bring up that I think um, uh, came up, it came up on another episode recently and I can't remember why, but uh, whoever slew Auntie Rue uh, is uh, a horror movie uh, that's Hansel and Gretel. It's essentially a retelling of Hansel and Gretel, but set at Christmas time um, uh, with uh, uh, Shelley Winters yeah. as uh, a woman who hosts the local uh, orphans every year for a big Christmas dinner and gives them all uh, um christmas presents and stuff and and then uh seems like every year one or two of the orphans don't make it back to the orphanage mm. that's very <laughs> shelly winters of her to do yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm trying to remember why that came up on a recent episode but anyway um there's another um british uh horror movie it's it's one one of the rare british slasher movies um which is also a christmas movie it's called don't open till christmas 1984 um and it was directed by edmund purdom who was also the star of it um who Purdom, a, purdom Damn yeah, near he, killed him okay uh, well it was nice nice to see you guys yeah. <laughs> really have a good christmas um uh but he he was an mgm contract player for an, a long long time in the in the 50s uh it appeared in quite a lot of things and then broke away and then went and made a bunch of movies in uh, Europe and was in a bunch of Italian movies, which is where I know him. He was in the, in the Spanish slasher movie pieces. If you've know that movie or have heard of it, it is I've heard of it. Yeah. One of the most, I, I, I hate to just say words that Jason Manzuka says, but it is a bananas movie. Sure. Um, and uh, it makes absolutely no sense. And Ed, Edmund Purdom is in that, but um uh, but he directed this a couple years after pieces. He directed this. He plays the, like the, um, the chief inspector in this. And it's just a, a man it's weirdly enough came out the exact same year as um, silent night, deadly night, but it's a man in a Santa suit who murders people. Um, but uh, the British version <laughs> and uh, uh, it stars no one else you've heard of. And uh, except well, you might've heard of uh, uh, like Carolyn Monroe. Do you know Carolyn Monroe? She was a bond mm-hmm. girl. She plays herself mm. in the movie. <laughs> um, so, yeah. But anyway, that is a very bad um, horror movie that just happens to be both British and Christmas set. Now, uh, I hate to pivot away from scary ghost stories, but... Um, Are you going to go with the Tales of the Glories? And kind, Sort of, in yeah. a way. Okay. Uh, although uh, a lot of people really uh, hate uh love actually um my my wife and i recently watched it and um and what's interesting to me like because it is seen as so you know to go back to that word saccharine in a lot of ways um that i think a lot of uh, a lot of critics and a lot of like sort of our our jaded friends and i'm including us uh in that in that group um we just look at we we look at it sort of the way we look at something like Crash, where it's like, yeah, it's a big ensemble, it's a bunch of stories. I'm not really that interested in all of them, and some of them are really cheesy. Um, but there's a lot that I there's a lot that I like 
about love actually. Um, what's interesting is that so many of the, uh, so many of the, iconic moments of the film are, are things that I hate, you know, like, uh, Andrew Lincoln, like holding up those cards oh, and yeah. essentially creating seeds of doubt in the, in the wife of his best friend forever. Um, you know, stuff like that, uh, I don't really enjoy. And I think, uh, Colin Firth's, uh, story is kind of whatever, but I do really enjoy Bill Nye. I really like, um, Laura Linney's story because there's a real, a real sad uh, sadness there, but it's also like a woman is making a very specific choice to take care of her mentally disturbed brother. And I like that we actually see the brother and there's a moment where he actually starts to attack her, you know, like moments like that are, are sort of like the, the cold, hard truth of family and obligation and, and that sort of thing. So there are moments and but then of course we then there's also hugh grant you know dancing around and which i doesn't bother me because he's just so damn charming but um you know uh and then i i really like alan rickman and emma thompson and i and their yeah. relationship and like what could happen there and i think one thing that really gets me is that um I feel like often, you know, holidays, we say this about locations as well. They really are often just sort of used as an excuse for something. Whereas like this, I mean, Christmas is a, is a huge part of this movie. Like that's all of these characters are talking about Christmas, thinking about Christmas, uh, making arrangements uh, for Christmas, going to pageants, buying presents, all that sort of thing. Uh, like you can't get away from it. Like this is, yes, it's an ensemble. Yes. There's a romantic quality to it, but it is a full on Christmas movie. Um, it, the, the fact of Christmas spurs on major plot points, you know, and some of them are, are kind of sad, like Alan Rickman buying that present and his wife thinking it's for her. And in fact, it's not, uh, and so that's, that's the thing is with, with all of these stories, it's sort of that idea. It's like, well, they can't all be winners. Like, well, they could have been, but you're, you're choosing for some of them to be more this or that, but, uh, but it's not a film that I can throw out completely. And on top of everything else, not only is the movie extremely British, one of my increasingly, one of my favorite aspects of the film is when the British guy goes to America knowing like and just playing playing up this idea in his head that's like well women love british men and so like i'll just be up to my eyeballs uh with women adoring me and his friends like that's dumb and then he goes and it goes so far beyond his wildest imagination uh <laughs> like it, it's written like a like a, a stupid porn like he goes to this bar and they're like we have so little money. We all sleep in the same bed and we can't even afford pajamas. You know, it's just like, and I love that. I think that's hilarious. And so, um, so yeah, it's, it's a movie that I do enjoy. Uh, I don't necessarily enjoy all of it, but there's a lot I like about it. Uh, I like it less than you. I like, like you mentioned, um, the Laura Linney story and the, the, um, Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson story. Um, uh, but I think Richard Curtis, as a as a writer uh, you know i think because i love four weddings and a funeral because mm -hmm. i feel like uh M mike newell got how sad all of it is yeah. whereas um he's only able to get a few stories right that are sad even the other because the other sad ones are sad in the corny like the liam neeson one sure. i don't really like um starring oh sorry Liam Neeson's son star of Queen's Gambit by the way yeah. um, <laughs> um, he plays King Gambit 
and he was a horse guy right uh, he dressed like a horse guy in that show yeah horse yeah horse rider that's right horse rider. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i don't know i i feel like i rained on everybody's parade because i don't have enough nice things to say about love actually it's that's, a weird that's perfectly fine yeah it, i feel like a lot of people recently have reevaluated it and kind of like it's it, i've i mean the uh the andrew lincoln story is kind of un uh like i think it's irredeemable at this point like like he is manipulating her to a horrible extent yes um so that one i think has has kind of really not stood the test of time but uh, but you know some of the other ones kind of have gotten um raked over the coals too and and like you know there's there's a certain aspect of movies like this that uh, that people can say well this is a very unrealistic depiction of love and romance and things like that and it's like but it is also a movie Mm -hmm. um and so you can't hold a movie responsible for doing a thing that movies always do especially when it was made 20 years ago almost so like um so there's it kind of i kind of go back and forth and because it is such a mixed bag of different stories and and things um it is kind of just like a who's who of british uh, not even all british but like um uh relatively well-known english actors for the most part because mm-hmm. um, then you have um that <laughs> that weird kind of story with um uh martin freeman and yeah. um her off again <laughs> which i Stacey. always forget about and then it yeah. comes rushing back yeah and uh uh and it's like yeah this was an r-rated film and, but, and then you get like the uh the kind of fun kind of um fraternal um love story between yeah bill nye and his his road manager or whatever and it's like yeah there's there's you know there's good there's really good stuff in it actually um but then the stuff that kind of isn't good now really stands out and yeah. so and i think that that uh and like i hate that kids use cringe as an adjective now like that's a boy you know? they sure do <laughs> um i guess i don't know enough kids cringe, cringe. I know the you know just enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Kyle, go on. Um, but anyway, uh, but there's a lot in there, especially that like, and you have a, a story with Keira Knightley, Chiwetel Ejiofor, and Andrew Lincoln. That story should be dynamite, and it yeah. just it just is so sour. Like, and I think it was at the time. Like, I, like the first time I watched it, I was like, he's kind of uh, being a shit about this because that's his best friend's girl. I I don't even. I mean, I saw it uh, at the time. Uh, Jen and I were were dating, and even at the time, both of us were like, this feels yeah really like I don't know anybody. Like both the film and the advertising really seem to think that is a, an amazing moment. And certainly visually it is yeah. like, I'm sure they think it's like say anything or whatever, but uh, yeah. And then like he walks away and I don't remember what he says, but it's, he says something like, it's like, all right, like that sort of to himself, like that's enough. Like I've done what I, it's like, yeah, you did everything. There's no, you didn't, you didn't deny yourself a single impulse here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like now that I've, planted that seed of doubt forever i've my work here is done you know it's yeah. uh yeah and, and like y- you know that that's a bad wingman can we can we just agree right. on that yeah. like like yeah just tell her you don't like her that's all you got to do like she's worried <laughs> sure. about it he's just like i just don't really like you i'm sorry that's all you can say oh it drives me nuts but anyway um but yeah that i th- that i think exemplifies the modern british christmas in in a really like because everybody's just out shopping all the time uh london at christmas time which i've had the 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 pleasure of getting to go there kind of early like right when they're getting everything christmasy and it's just like non-stop shopping um and and you know 
candy and biscuits and just like all the things that that like people talk about how bad british cuisine is and actually don't agree i think it's very good um depending on if you like stews um but uh they do like christmas candies and cakes and stuff better mm. than the entire world again because that's like this is our time of year god damn it we're gonna like make the most out of it um but yeah i but there's also like other ones of that same ilk like about a boy is not particularly about christmas but it is very holiday y I think mm. it's got kind of some Yuletide cheer, and I think. Well, and also Christmas. the backstory is that the reason Hugh character is rich is because his that's father right. wrote a famous Christmas song. Oh, that's He's right. living off the royalties. Yeah. yeah, Santa's super sleigh, I believe, is the name of it. <laughs> and and I, that's one of the things that I like about Love Actually and about a boy, just like the understanding that like Christmas can be this amazing thing, but it's also a time of just absolute, tr- just treacle and completely disposable things that yeah. are very popular. Yeah. And and uh, um, Richard Cur- another Richard Curtis movie, but um, uh, oh, what is it called? About Time. Uh, oh, I never saw it, that. Which is really good. <laughs> like, I didn't think I was going to like it, and it's like it, there's a lot of um, Donald Gleason and uh, um, Bill Nye plays his father, and if you have any and like maybe like things that you uh, haven't processed about your own dad as a, as a, as a man. Uh, like I definitely did when I saw it several years ago, I was just like, Oh, this is one that I can't watch very often. Cause I'm going to cry a lot. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but it's also a romance and it's kind of, it kind of, uh, it has this, this element of, he also is doing shitty things cause he can manipulate time. Um, and, uh, he uses it to, to get Rachel McAdams, which, Hey, on the surface, can't blame him. But, um, but come then, on, of course, guy. yeah, come on, guy. Um, but then, obviously, they spend so much time together that there's an element of the holidays around, especially early on in the movie. But um, there is. I tri- thought you were going to go with another one that uh, I'm hoping one of you guys has seen it more recently than I have because I saw it when it was new. And that's Bridget Jones's Diary. I, I know there's a lot of holiday related stuff there in is that, a lot. Yeah. but I don't remember it that well because it's been over 20 years, right? Yeah. Isn't that 99? What year is that? Yeah, I, I think, think so. it's 2000. So, 2000, I think so exactly 20 years. It predates okay. Love Actually. Like Love Actually has become the default British Christmas movie. Yeah. But it would have been British Don- Bridget Jones's Diary otherwise. Yeah, I've actually never seen it. Hmm. I haven't seen either of the sequels. I watched uh, yeah. a, li- a little bit of one of them because my wife was watching it. And I was like, uh, this is worse <laughs> than I remember. <laughs> um, uh, so David, but speaking yeah. of stuff with dads. Yes. Okay. And um, uh, uh, going back to Scotland, I think uh, Millions is a is a Christmas movie and a wonderful Christmas movie. And that's also incidentally one that uh, if you want, like there aren't, I'll tear up at a number of movies. There are a, there are a handful of movies that will make me straight up weep because mm. of my own issues, and uh, and I can't. Mm, and even as I talk about it, it happens. Uh, you know, like when when you have a, a relative, specifically in this case, like a parent who who dies. I don't remember if his if his mother died unexpectedly or whatever it is. But, um, you know, when he's being visited by like various saints and that sort of thing. And then his mom shows up at the end and they have a conversation. And then uh, and then she says, like, are not you going to say goodbye? Well, that's it for me. Like that's, yeah. you know, uh, and so. I I adore the movie. I really love it yeah. on on any number of movies on any number of levels, including uh, Christmas. But uh, and that's one that like 
what I was at the Arclight several years ago and Danny Boyle was there and I was like, you know what? Uh, I would normally leave him alone, but millions mean so much to me. And it came out shortly after my, my father had passed away. And it really like, it didn't necessarily, I wouldn't say it necessarily helped me like process it, but it definitely, it, it hit me on a certain level. So I, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to say this to him because it's a personal thing. And so uh, he and I talked briefly and I talked about that moment and what it meant to me. And he goes, Oh, he's like, when I read that in the script, I, I just completely lost it. And and so like we kind of bonded over that. And so, yeah, the, mil, there's a lot going on with millions. And I do think it's a it's a fun it's a really fun and, and poignant Christmas movie. And I do feel like in in most of the good Christmas movies, British or otherwise, there is at the very least uh, more than a, a little bit of melancholy. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because of the the time of year. Maybe it's the fact that the year is ending, whatever it is. But, you know, and, and in many of our favorite Christmas songs, there is. Uh, that that aspect of of melancholy and sadness and mourning and uh it seems weird that like how how do you get from one to the other but it does i think just make sense like when you're focusing on the people that are in your life you're also maybe aware of the people that aren't for example yeah yeah and i feel like this year most people sure uh, should uh embrace the kind of melancholy aspect of it because the the worst christmas movies are the ones that just ignore anything but like rampant happiness. And it's just like any, or like there's something we have to overcome, but the end it's all about happy, you know, we're together and stuff like that. And it's like, or Santa's real or anything, any number of things that are the, the like uh, magic of that. But it's like, yeah. they, they need to be a bit sad. And that, that I think is um, what millions really like. A lot of times when you think of what's a Christmas movie, you don't think of a lot of these movies that we've been talking about because they aren't like, like just goofy, you know, Santa Claus running down the street kind of yeah. movie. Uh, I guess it's the, a Christmas Chronicles, but, um, uh, but that's what you need. I like, I, I feel like more and more as I've gotten older, um, you just you, like, you have to like Christmas on its surface when you're a kid is the best. And yeah, but it's like, you know, like, really early on at least for me it's like it stopped being like the time between this is the best and oh we i gotta go back to school that feeling got shorter and shorter and now it's just like you spend all year or even just all month getting ready for christmas and then it's just like oh now we're done yeah Yeah. we just gotta (laughs) break down boxes and take them to the trash (laughs) yes (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah the idea what's interesting is when i was a kid of course i mean i always enjoyed opening presents um now i am just happy that there are presents under the tree because that's how everything should look but then once you open the presents like well now there's nothing under the tree except my adorable cat charlie who loves sleeping under the christmas tree uh which is definitely helpful but um but it's like oh like it's a perfect symbol. It's like, yes, we, we opened presents and like, I got stuff I wanted and I was able to give stuff to people that I love, but now that's over. And now that's, there's just, no, it's just empty under the tree. Yeah. And, uh, and you guys now, are a couple of Scrooges is, is the problem. How are we Scrooges? I'm not saying bah humbug. I'm, things. I'm mourning when Christmas is over. He doesn't even seem to notice that. See, uh, I still think it's a magical time that uh, where time uh, elongates and distends and uh, oh, it, it lasts forever. Long, like I wish it was longer. In my sure, opinion. it's just like I have two sure. weeks off starting tomorrow, and 
not enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, we should have an eye towards wrapping up. So I'm just going to read yeah. off the ones that I didn't mention. Well, okay. Speaking of bummers, Brazil is a Christmas movie. Yep. <laughs> yes. Brazil is a Christmas right. movie. Yeah. Um, I also want I forgot to mention when we were talking about stuff we watched as a kid, I forgot to mention Santa Claus, the movie, which is a, uh, yeah, it's a British U S British co-production has an American Santa, David Huddleston, um, uh, also known as Jeffrey Lebowski. Um, uh, and it has, uh, yeah, 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 the big one. Um, and it has an American villain, John Lithgow, but it also, uh, is probably the first thing that I saw Dudley Moore in because sure, I was a kid yeah. and that's what I associated Dudley Moore it with. Wasn't so 10, just kidding. Uh, I've actually still never seen 10. So yeah, I don't know. Have you guys seen Santa Claus, the movie? I think I saw uh, clips of it, but I, I never, uh, it never appealed to me as a kid. Uh, the look of it actually put yeah, me it's off. A we- it's a weird looking movie. It's all really, um, what is it like soft focused or something like that? Like it, hmm. it, it kind of, is it maybe that just that it's like uh pal, like, cause it's British. Maybe. Or is it just like, you know, like, uh, like pre HD, like British TV used to look different. Is that what you're reacting to? It, maybe it might be that I, it actually, it's been a really long time since I've seen it also, but I, I definitely, I have a, a vivid memory of the look of it. But the thing um, uh, so yeah. to go back to, the very beginning of the episode watching Santa Claus, the movie as a kid, because the beginning there's like a takes place sometime in the past. It's been a while. Um, but that was how I learned that Brits say happy Christmas uh-huh. instead of Merry Christmas. Uh, Cause there's a bunch of kids like saying happy Christmas at the beginning of the movie. Um, and I'm on the record as saying that most of the time when Americans adopt uh, you know, Englishisms or whatever, or Britishisms. Um, I find it obnoxious and an affectation, you know, when people, I don't like referring to redheads as gingers. Um, I don't like, it's fine with me if you're a soccer fan in America, but as soon as you start referring to, like to a match, like and the players are on the pitch and stuff like that, it's like, all right, this is a, this is your personality now. Um, <laughs> uh, but I will say I like happy Christmas. Like it seems which is more down to earth i guess because we don't say mary yeah we don't yeah. say mary ever except at which, christmas time which is why i which is why i prefer merry christmas is because like hey this is a this is a term like even even one of these two words is one that doesn't show up any other time of year but because so because it's not it. something we say naturally it makes me think people don't mean it when they say merry christmas it's just sure. reflect reflexive whereas happy christmas just seems so like hey man happy christmas have a happy christmas i don't know it seemed that i i like happy christmas i'm on board of happy christmas i also like to say happy wives of windsor <laughs> <laughs> see that's why we have you on the show oh we didn't mention speaking of british movies we didn't mention the bells of saint happies <laughs> oh boy <laughs> oh i liked it i liked it a lot um uh, I'm trying that to think wonderful, and then, uh, uh, Julia Roberts film, happy Riley. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like um, the film wouldn't have been quite such a, such a financial failure. Well, what about, I mean, last year, not happy a, and bad. Uh, 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 yeah, last year at happy and bad, uh, Peggy Sue got happied. Um, <laughs> this is the dumbest thing maybe we've ever I done love on it. this show. I love it. It can't be, uh, the, the last one, I, the last one I was going to mention was the lion, the witch in the wardrobe. Sure. Is a yeah. Christmas yeah. related movie. Santa even shows up in a, a development that always bothers me. Um, <laughs> just comes out of nowhere. I'm just like, look, I get that we're in sort of a fantasy land, but like Santa's just like walking around and then he just happens to show up with no, 
no uh, warning or anything like that, aside from it being sort of Christmas time. I don't know. It's it always bothered me. It always seemed it has never not seemed abrupt to me, whether it be in the <laughs> yeah. book or any kind of adaptation. It has always bothered me when Santa shows up. I remember reading that the first time being like, wait, this can't be right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goddamn Santa um, Claus is in this. And then I wanted to to go back to our listener, Gareth, and the shout out to Gareth. A couple more that he mentioned. This one's a stretch, but he mentioned Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, which is a British movie, but does not take place in England for the most part. Yeah. And only has maybe two scenes set at Christmas. But yeah. Merry Christmas is in the title of the movie. So I guess it's it's worth uh, worth mentioning. Uh, and then he mentioned one, uh, Kyle, uh, you might have seen this one because it's a Hammer film, Cash on Demand. I was hoping you would bring that up because that was one that was on my <laughs> list too. Um, it's a, uh, everybody remembers hammer for its horror because that was what made it very uh, popular but they also did all sorts of other movies including british noir films and uh cash on demand is a a noir kind of crime heist movie uh, starring peter cushing um that uh uh takes place two days before christmas and there's a heist um kind of like scheme happening um and it is uh you know pretty rough not rough uh in terms of like quality but in terms of uh content nastiness it's pretty nasty um but it is very british cash on demand um i would i would highly recommend and i think it's it's not one that most people uh have heard of i mean it also has a silly not silly name but like not not a name that you wouldn't necessarily go well that's probably a you know noir or anything like that or but um, or a christmas movie or a christmas movie but it's you know it's good it's like it's like if reindeer games were british and better and uh didn't have ben affleck in it it seems to me like you should have after a certain point just drop that <laughs> just it's like reindeer games except in every other in every other way yeah you're right and very few things are actually like reindeer games and that's <laughs> for the that? betterment of humanity i haven't seen reindeer <laughs> games since the theater and I didn't care for it even then. Uh, has anyone seen it more recently? No, no. I th- I think I watched it on cable, whatever, because it came out in what two thousand one. So I think I probably saw it in two thousand two or three. Two thousand, yeah. And two thousand, uh, same year as Bridget Jones's Diary. Quite a uh, quite a year for Christmas movies. But I guess <laughs> and, it's just uh, and the Jim Carrey Grinch. Man, two thousand people were really um, interested in Christmas to a point. I guess. Rainer Games just feels like it's never gone away from the conversation just because it's a John Frankenheimer film and it has big stars in it. I feel like it what, still comes up conversa- all the time. What conversation? I feel like people mention reindeer games a lot. I guess they do in terms of like, uh, as a, as a go-to of like a, an example of something bad. Right. Okay. Sure. Maybe that's, uh, maybe that's what it is. Oh my God. Clarence Williams. The third was in reindeer games. I got to watch this again. <laughs> I like the idea that it beca- that it's part of not just a movie conversation, every conversation, like, you know, two years into the Trump administration, people are like, this is the reindeer games of, of presidential administrations. <laughs> uh, yeah. What, what else, what else do we have before you wrap up and, and wish our yes. listeners a happy Let's Christmas? See. What else do we have? Well, there's the, there, you know, on more modern stuff, this, even though it has a, an English or a, an American director, the movie last Christmas from last year, I think, um, which is bad, um, but it is pretty British. Um, it, it's Amelia Clark and uh, Henry Golding. Henry is Golding, that his name? Correct. I never saw. There, there is still just today. I was driving up uh, Van Nuys uh, Boulevard 
and uh, saw a uh, a poster for Last Christmas uh, at a bus stop. A bus stop. So oh still still hanging out there after a full year. Wow. Well, I guess very few things actually happened this year, so I, I don't I don't blame bus stop ads for not changing. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess they, yeah, there's an excuse there. The one I remember from years ago, there was I think there was like a 2007 movie. I never saw with Aaron Eckhart and Catherine Zitter Jones. I think it was called No Reservations. Does that sound right? The cooking one, right? The cooking one. It's movie. like a remake. Uh, it's a remake American of a German movie? film yeah. called Mostly Martha, which I've seen. I haven't right. seen the remake, uh, which is called Reservations or No Reservations or something like that. And when I used to work in, in Century City as a temp back in like uh, 2008 and 2009, so this is like up to two years after the movie came out, there was still a bus stop ad for that movie. It's, it's what I think of when I think of that movie because I never saw it. And unlike Reindeer Games, not in the conversation i like the idea that maybe that wasn't a mistake that the that the marketing company was like we are betting on this making a comeback uh well not that it ever really arrived but like we really think that uh, we can make this go viral in its own way um one one thing weirdly enough about um british culture uh, you know in general right now and has been for a while but um christmas is a tv holiday people eat their meals and they open their presents, but then they watch TV. They all sit around the TV and watch TV stuff. And so like um, every show has a Christmas special and they all go out on Christmas day because um, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. People are going to watch it. So you always get, you know, like they do the great uh, British baking bake off. Let's, let's be honest. Sure. Uh, uh, The great Christmas bake off they do. And then like Dr. Who almost always has a Christmas special. And then like just a bunch of sitcoms always have Christmas specials. And it's just like, it's very strange to me that so many um, people like here, you almost like other, unless there's a football game on, which I think has happened once or twice in my life where they've played a football game on Christmas. Um, I guess if it's a Sunday, but um, uh it's it's like uh no don't turn your tv on you know like maybe we'll go out to the movies like that's that is something sure. that a lot of yeah americans yeah americans definitely go to the movie theater on christmas um, but in the uk no because i think they're all drunk so they don't generally go anywhere <laughs> they get drunk real fast on mold wine and things like that but um uh that that is what really blows me away is that they just how much they like it it is a sitter. I mean, cause you have to watch the queen give a speech every Christmas. The queen gives a speech. Um, and it's like on TV for, you know, how long is, she, how long is a 90 year old woman going to talk? But, um, and then they watch whatever show is on after that on the BBC. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's weird. And that might explain why there's not that many like true British Christmas films because they watch TV all the time. And so there's a shit ton of British TV specials and TV movies. Yeah. I remember noticing that, uh, uh, at a certain point when I was first getting into TV in a serious way and, uh, uh, discovering TV from across the pond, uh, like, and it has to, I think it has something to do with increasingly. This isn't the, the, the case anymore, but the traditional American season schedule went, you know, there was a break, but it went through Christmas. So like right. shows that were in season would have Christmas episodes, but uh, yeah, these the uh, British shows that are not currently in season will produce standalone episodes yeah. that are just Christmas specials. Yeah. 
And, and, and it, I got to, to know that that existed via Doctor Who because that's what they would always do um, since the show came back in 2005. The last this year and the last year, they did not have a actually two years, last two years. They did not have a Christmas special. They have had New Year's specials, which mm. do way worse in the ratings. They need to go back to Christmas specials because New Year's is the day when people are uh, like hungover or whatever. Like they don't that's there's no tradition there about that. So I think it's that's super fascinating is like just because it's a holiday doesn't mean people are going to watch TV. There's like the biggest um, ratings Doctor Who episodes there ever are, are the Christmas ones, like the highest rated Doctor Who episode in history was a Christmas one in like 2007, I think um, that also had Kylie Minogue in it. So of course, that oh, that's, big, that's a big, um, and then of course I'm forgetting, of course the office did, you know, a, a Christmas special. Oh, yeah, one of, the, right, one yeah. of the most famous episodes. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really like the idea. I mean, I understand from a logistical standpoint, like why in the U S we wouldn't do that, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so many TV shows incorporate Christmas uh, specials and all that. Um, but I, I, I kind of like the idea of of the episodes going up on maybe like Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, because you know your your favorite shows having a Christmas episode. That's all part of the lead up, and it's like, well, we're fine with the lead up. We're good. Whereas, imagine if if like your favorite show had a special on christmas day then like that's part of the payoff that's part of the yeah. uh, part of the thing you're anticipating as opposed to uh something that's helping you anticipate it yeah and and the fact that it's like there might you know like um downton abbey or like very mm-hmm. you know um poirot or whatever like these shows would just make specials that would go up on christmas and it's like i haven't this show had because in the uk they don't have sure like Doctor Who is the rare example where there's almost a season every calendar year. Um, it's getting less and less frequent, but like sometimes it's like this show hasn't been on in four years and here's just a random special and now it won't be on again for another four years. And it's just like, that's, it's very weird. Um, but I, I'm with you, Tyler. I think that there is some kind of like, along with the kind of um, tradition element that I think works is that Britain has made the modernness of watching TV together as a family part of the Christmas tradition and they've really like steered into that. Um, and I, I kind of, I wish there was more of that stuff. And now, especially because most shows you watch are streaming, sure. if there's a Christmas episode in the middle of a streaming season, it's just like, well, that's weird. Like if you yeah. ever, like just gone through something, you're like, yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my wife's watching monk right now just to put something on while she's doing work. And like, we've gone through four Christmas episodes in the last like month. And it's just like, that's too many Christmas episodes to watch this close together. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, anything else anyone wanted to get to before we wrap up? I'm okay. Good. Well, uh, Kyle, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Uh, you guys can find us at battleshippretension.com. You can email us at david at battleshippretension.com or tyler at battleshippretension.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at DavyPretension. This week on the website, check out my reviews of the, the final small X uh, uh, entry, Education. Um, a uh, terrific little uh, horror thriller called Hunter Hunter. Uh, check out my review of that and uh, a cool cheesy uh, thriller called Fatal starring Michael Ely and Hilary Swank. Check, check out those uh, reviews at battleshipretention.com. You can email Tyler or or, sorry, you can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler pretension. Tyler, do you have anything to plug? Uh, I, I don't know yet. Uh, Feel free after, when you hear this, feel free to head over to more than one and see if there's anything new. I'm, okay. I'm going to try and record something 
between now and then, I'm not 100% sure if we'll get a chance, but I think I probably can. So go to morethanonelesson.com and check it out. Kyle, anything to plug? Um, I Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle D. Anderson. Um, you can... Uh, I've been making videos recently. Um, uh, part of my job at Nerdist as senior editor, um, I've gotten to do some, uh, n- you know, narrating some videos. Late. So if you want to hear more about Ghost Stories for Christmas, I that's why I wanted to bring it up. I just did a video <laughs> about mm. Ghost Stories for Christmas. Um, and so you can see how creepy those are. Um, you can find that uh, on Nerdist.com or at Nerdist's YouTube channel. Um, anything I write, I've been do- mostly doing Blu-ray reviews lately. Um, but also some uh, some reviews. So if you like my writing, that's also there as well. Um, and I do a few monthly podcasts, but they're mostly Doctor Who related. So I, I don't need to plug those, but those are on my Check them out. Twitter. You um, should do an episode on all the Christmas specials. I think we're going to, yeah. my uh, we The Writer's Room, which is a show we did, uh, we started seven years ago to do all the classic Doctor Who um, via writers and writing uh and then we finished that up a couple years ago we did all of the outer limits and we just finished another british show very short-lived show called sapphire and steel and in january we are starting doctor who via from the new from the christopher eccleston years forward Hmm. um so we will definitely get to all of those christmas specials um in due course all right well thank you again for being here absolutely thank you at home for listening we'll get you next time happy christmas when i was waving this program is a proud member of the battleship pretension fleet 